Good morning, church. Good morning. Happy Sabbath to everyone. And I hope that you will be blessed. Okay, those of you that don't know me, I'm Elder Rodney Small, and I consider myself a, a Barnabas. Not Barnabas, son of consolation, but a Barnabas. I'm an encourager, not a preacher. Now, um, a little shameless plug. Please take out your cell phones. No, I'm, I'm serious. Take out your cell phones and get on that QR code. So, um, my wife and I happen to be, uh, we have a radio program, Adventist Internet Radio Program. And hers was on Friday night in Spanish, and mine is on Sabbath mornings from 7 to 8. This is where I do my, my speeches, my sermons, and my talk, not here in the pulpit. However, Pastor is away giving evangelistic series, and so he traded with me. I suppose I've done this a week ago. But anyway, here we are. So... Um, Yes, this is me every Sabbath mornings from 7 to 8. Those of you that know about already, you're my family. Those of you that are going to come next week, you'll be part of the family. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, Black History Month. I'm going to plug up, plug for Black History. So we, we look at the church, and it's packed. There was a time during the pandemic when it was not packed. It was one Sabbath that not even the elders came, but after that, the elders would come. We were the only ones in this sanctuary, okay, delivering the service online, because the rest of you guys were at home, right, during the pandemic. Remember that. So I always wondered when we got the vaccine, who was behind that? And I wasn't hearing any news about it. The lives that were saved, the, the, we're getting back into the economy, getting back into work, but we're not hearing about who saved us. We know that prayer did, right? I was praying for the scientists during the whole time, but I never heard who they were. I know you can't see that in the back, but there she is right there. This is Dr. Kamiskia Colbert, Kamiskia Colbert, a viral uh, immunologist. He's helped lead a team of scientists that contributed to one of the most stunning achievements in the history of science. Highly effective, easily manufactured vaccine against COVID-19 delivered and authorized for use in under a year. Now, you scientists, you doctors, you know how much of achievement that was. In under a year, a vaccine. So she says that she, um, she worked at the National Institutes of Health 
where she served as a senior research fellow at the Vaccine Research Center at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. She was part of an important work on other coronavirus outbreaks. So as the number of sick people in China began to climb, Dr. Colbert was at the vanguard of the race for a vaccine. She and her supervisor noted that this new disease bore eerie similarities to SARS and MERS, which each killed hundreds. Dr. Colbert's work and the work of her entire team suddenly had urgent implications. At the time, we had no idea it would become a global pandemic, she said. So what I felt was excitement about being able to prove myself and my work to the world. Dr. Colbert, 37, was used to having to prove herself. As a black woman in science, she is accustomed to asserting her worth in rooms filled with white men. So I thank God for his wisdom. I thank God for giving his wisdom to the scientists. Now, a lot of people don't, don't believe in science, but God is the greatest, the biggest scientist in the universe. Amen. He made this world in six days. God woke me up early two weeks ago with this message. He wanted you to hear and to take courage. Let's pray to begin. Father God, you are the creator. We recognize that and we honor you in that. And that's why we have set aside ourselves during the Sabbath hours. We've come to church, we've had the lesson study where we, being the least of these, also go out and help the least of these. We had song service. We had the children's prayer and its story. We've had the ancestry prayer for those that are shut in, those that are bereaved, those that are sick. And Lord, you have been here, and we still ask that you accept our worship, accept our, my worship to you and the words that you have given me. Bless your people, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Another senseless murder. So by now, it was four weeks ago. Another black American killed by police in Memphis, Tennessee. Which reminds me of George Floyd, who was senselessly murdered by three white police in Minnesota. However, in the case of 29-year-old Tyree Nichols, the five Memphis police officers were fellow black Americans who should teach us, which should teach us something. We need to get home. When I saw on the video footage of the incident, the police already had Mr. Nichols arrested, handcuffed and on the ground, beating him to death. And he was saying, I'm just trying to get home. That touched me. Mr. Floyd leaves the convenience store with a few items and was attempting to return home and never makes it due to racism. A Tatiana Jefferson wasn't trying to get home. She was home. She was in her home, safe, supposedly, in her own home but gunned down by a white Fort Worth police officer. 
However, Tyree Nichols was trying to get home and was prevented and fatally beaten by black police officers, which should tell us something. We all should be thankful when we arrive home safely each evening from work. Don't do anything else but fall on your knees and thank your heavenly father for his protection through his heavenly angels. Every time that I, I get home, I thank God that I arrived. And then I'm realizing that my daughter, she arrived also, and I thank God for that. And I am serious with that because you might not get stopped by the police and get beaten up or killed or whatever, but you got some crazy drivers out there on 635 and 30 and 35. And my wife trying to get to her employment with the construction on 30, and she's not there. And so I'm praying to God, bring her home safely, please. After this incident, Memphis Police Department decides to permanently deactivate the Scorpion Unit. Scorpion Unit? What were they about? Stinging citizens? What about the two METs, EMTs involved in Tyree Nichols' assault? They were fired. First responders were supposed to help people, but they didn't. And the Scorpion unit, this was what the five police officers belonged to. Now, coming from the military, when you name a unit, something dangerous like that, you're not for playing games. Retired Shelby County safety officer deputy shared the importance of understanding mental health and law enforcement to show the other side. Ms. Evans taught at the training academy for four years, working with all levels of law enforcement, from chiefs down to recruits. She says mental health matters. Your core values, your beliefs, your boundaries that you've drawn in your life just as a human being, then when you become an officer, with that type of power and authority, she says, will magnify whatever those boundaries are or are not. She says law enforcement agencies need to better address how officers change over the years. I have seen the change over my 70 short years on this planet. I believe that in most of these cases, especially at night, police officers are fearful and they shoot first, or they beat severely, so that the citizen cannot fight back and harm them. I have told my wife in most of these incidents, for example, there was one, uh, the guy was in his house, and he had a big butcher knife. And he's in his house, the police are outside. And it used to be, back in my days, or earlier, they would shoot to wound them, and then arrest them. That's no longer the case. They shoot to kill so that the citizen cannot fight back in whatsoever. So fear and a lack of love for fellow human beings. Let's turn to Luke 21, 26. Luke 21, 26. This describes the world that we're living in. It's also found in Matthew 24, 12. So Jesus says, men's hearts fell in them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And because lawlessness will be increased, 
the love of many will grow cold. I like the King James Version that says wax cold, like melting wax, but in the opposite process. It's happened gradually and gotten worse since I've been alive. I do not know about you, but I am trying to get home. A few, some, it does not take many. In Mr. Nichols' case, five cold-loved men. In Mr. Floyd's case, three cold-loved men. In Ms. Jefferson's case, one cold love man. We are here this Sabbath morning because we have been spared for now. But when and how we are persecuted, what do we do? Well, Matthew has an answer to that. Let's go to Matthew 5, 44. Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you, Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. It's difficult, but it's not impossible. Let me repeat that. It's difficult to love your enemy, but it's not impossible. And these are the words of Christ where he wants his disciples, his followers, his people to do. We are set apart. We have a higher calling. We are followers of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, who is alive and intercedes for us now in the heavenly courts and who has given us the Holy Spirit. So it's difficult, but it's not impossible. We have the Holy Spirit. George Floyd. Tatiana Jefferson's, Tyree Nichols, and countless others who made the media or those who did not make the news, and you and I are all victims here. Even every police officer involved in such incidents are victims. The enemy of our souls caused this. When Jesus walked the earth during his earthly ministry, he told his enemies, the Pharisees, that, this is in John 8, 44, you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, Jesus says, that they may have life and have it more abundantly. See the contrast in Jesus and our arch enemy? God wants us to have a good life. Satan wants to destroy it. Now sometimes I think and you might think the same thing. I'm a good Christian. I'm in church. I follow God, follow the commandments in the Bible. I read the Bible, I study, I, do, I pray, I sing songs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? That I can't be a victim like these other people. But the biggest victim 
But the biggest time that we're going to be victims is in our, our future. We don't know what's going to come. But you Christians, we Seventh-day Adventists, because we're here today worshiping God on his day, on the Sabbath, following the fourth commandment, a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people in power don't like that. And one day they're going to do something about it through the power of Satan because he doesn't like it. He hates it. That there's a people following all the commandments of God, all ten of them, and worship God in spirit and truth. First Peter 5, let's go there. First Peter 5, 8 and 9. Some wisdom for these last days. Wisdom for, um, for all time since Eve bit into that apple and then she gave the other half to Adam. Our adversary, the devil, is about, and we have to have some wisdom, some counsel. And so 1 Peter 5, 8 to 9 says what? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So we're not the only ones. Christians around the world are suffering. In other places more than we are now, but our day is coming. And we have to prepare for that. And it's going to take faith. It's not going to take it's not going to take my doing. For example, on the radio program um, last week I was talking about Peter and his restoration. Peter thought before Christ was crucified, arrested and crucified, Peter thought that he could do it all himself. He was so into himself. He was so proud of his abilities. But then when he denied Christ three times, okay, all that got shot down to the, God, to the ground. But God, through Jesus Christ, uh, restored him, raised him back up. Then he didn't depend on himself. He depended on his Lord and Savior. And this is what we have to do. So we think that these police beatings and killings only take place in the United States. No, this is a fallen planet, a dark world since our first parents disobeyed God in their tests of loyalty and love. Due to the devil winning the temptation battle, it and sin has taken over this planet. We expect racism and hatred after 6,000 years of sin, right? You guys think that there should be no racism around? There shouldn't be? Okay, once again, how many years have humans been on this planet? Okay, um, when did Adam and Eve fall? In the beginning? Okay, and then Satan took over the planet and his government, you can see what his government is. So even, even in America, all the leaders that we have had 
the righteous leaders, the, the, the leaders that are for humanity, right, have come along and have, um, I've seen it in my lifetime, has changed the laws, you know, things like that, and kind of made it better, kind of made it better, right? But then in the last four years, and even more so now, the, the politicians are like, um, were you born in this country? Did you take history in high school? What did you do in college? What are you trying to do? They're trying to, to some of them are trying to destroy this country. We know from prophecy that that's going to come about, and then there's going to be that image to the beast that we're all going to have to bow down to and follow if you want to preserve your life. So this planet, what I'm trying to get at is that although we want to, God has placed that in our heart, something innate, that we want things to be good and well and copacetic, calm, like that. It's not going to be because we live on a, float, a fallen planet. Due to the devil winning the temptation battle, right, 6,000 years, what about Cain and Abel right at the genesis of this planet? You know the story of Cain and Abel? That was at the genesis of this planet. So do you think that we're going to get better? So ever since Eve ate the forbidden fruit and Adam followed her, we have been trying to get home. Whether you are saved or not, there's a space innate in each of us that's calling for home. Let's look at Luke 21. 27 to 28. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because what? Your redemption draws nigh. I live on this planet I like human beings, but I can't wait to see the other beings in the universe. You know, I love my country. I served it for four years, and I wouldn't change that for anything. However, my redemption is not here. My redemption draws nigh. When the Son of Man comes, Home is redemption. Redemption is home. No one likes the misery offered up by this planet. Not even the roughest sinners don't like wrong to happen to them. Because if they did, every criminal that does some, that perpetrates some crime, they would stay at the scene. Would they not? All right, cops, come get me. I did it, and I'm proud of it. No, they don't do that. They run because they know the misery that's going to come to them when the cop catches them and perhaps puts them in jail and the misery that's going to come there. For example, 
When a teenager, I was a well-known thief in the projects. One summer, I got a job in a big department store downtown in my home city and discovered a way to steal clothes. One day, I stole a leather trench coat. That was a thing at that time. That autumn in school, I was very stylish, just, you know. However, another thief spied me and broke into my locker and stole my trench leather coat. I was livid. How dare someone steal from me? Right? And where did I get it from? Matthew 6, 19 to 21. So this is part of our redemption. We're not planning for here because this is not our home. Matthew 6, 19 and 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So in heaven, nothing's going to destroy the treasures that we have up there. There are going to be no thieves in heaven. So whatever we lay up there is going to be safe, safer than any bank here, safer than Fort Knox, where they have supposedly all that gold. I know of the better land where thieves or moss doesn't exist, thief or honest humans, we are all longing for something better. Our heavenly home is the only betterment we are going to get in our lifetime. I'm trying to get home. What about you? What is heaven? Some people don't believe in heaven because they do not believe in Christ. They think that heaven is a fantasy or something poor people invented to give them hope as they traverse this dark materialistic world and they have nothing. So they invented this. That's what some people believe. However, you and I do believe because God is real in our hearts and God does not lie. God the Father told his son to tell us this in John 14, 1 to 3. John 14, 1 to 3. So I like to be an encourager, but our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the epitome of encouragement. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, we know that God can't lie. So imagine that Jesus is up in heaven preparing all these mansions. Okay, mine has just countryside all out front. Okay, in the back, a nice sword lake that I can swim in. Okay, on the other side, just hills and trails, I can ride my bike. Okay, on this side, okay, I imagine that. But suppose 
that he's preparing these mansions, but he doesn't come back to get you. What's the mansions for? You ever see a ghost town? I was watching um, Top Gear, which is a car show one time, and they love to drive cars and where they can find space and stuff like that and go fast. And it was in Taiwan that they had built this town, but something happened that nobody ever lived in the town. Just empty apartment buildings, business buildings, all like that, and just those three there just driving around the town. Think heaven's gonna be like that? Empty mansions? No way. He's coming back for us and he's gonna take us home. I'm trying to get home to heaven. Let's listen to the lyrics, media uh, brothers. Let's listen to the lyrics of the song inspired by one of Ellen G. White's visions. This is another thing, is that it's in the Bible, but God also, through his prophet Ellen G. White, he has inspired us with, uh, with her writings. That's not her voice. Okay, she just has the English, but it's God inspiring her through visions have shown her what's to come. And in one of them, it's coming. And one of them, um, she doesn't want to come back to earth. And as the angel is bringing her back, she just sees this, this dark planet. This dark planet, which happens to be where we live. But one day, one day he's going to take us to our heavenly home. Oh. 
wonderful things the Lord showed me of heaven, I cannot describe. I saw there tables of stone in which the names of the multitude of the redeemed were engraved in letters of gold. After we beheld the glory of the temple, we went out and Jesus left us and went into the city. Soon we heard his lovely voice again saying, Come, my people, you have come out of great tribulation and done my will, suffered for me. Come in to supper, for I myself will serve you. We shouted, Alleluia, glory, and entered into the city. And I saw a table of pure silver. It was many miles in length. Yet our eyes could extend over it. I saw the fruit of the tree of life, the manna, almonds, figs, pomegranates, grapes, and many other kinds of fruit. Then Jesus said, You must go back to earth again and relate to others what I have revealed to you. Then an angel bore me gently down to this dark world. Sometimes I think I can stay here no longer. All things of earth look so dreary. I feel very lonely here, for I have seen a better land. better land. I'm trying to get home for what's not going to be there. When we arrive home, Revelations 21, 27, Revelations 21, 27 states that, but there shall be no means entered, uh, but there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those 
who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm especially trying to get home for what's going to be there. Revelations 21, or 22, 1 to 5. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of his streets, and on either side of the river, was a tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. I love fruit. But to have a different fruit every month? The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I don't like to be sick. Actually, I hate being sick. And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp or light of the sun. Can you imagine that? No night? Has anybody ever been up north, like way up north, Scandinavia, the Arctic Circle? Anybody ever been there? Okay, it seems like there's no night, but the sun does set, but then it comes up immediately. Okay, but no night, no lamps or light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Amen. Looking forward to that. Amen. So my next words to encourage us are, as we are trying to get home, come from the Seventh-day Adventist Church's prophets, writings, Ellen G. White. She has a book or compilation, and it's titled Heaven. You want to find out about heaven? Okay, read that book. God has not revealed all. The Lord has made every provision for our happiness in the future life, but he has made no revelations, revelations excuse me, regarding these plans, and we are not to speculate concerning them. Neither are we to measure the conditions of the future life by the conditions of this life. I have not seen nor ear heard what has entered. Okay. Matters of vital importance have been plainly revealed in the word of God. These subjects are worthy of our deepest thoughts, but we are not to search into matters on which God has, not, has been silent. Some have put forth the speculation that the redeemed will not have gray hair. Other foolish <laughs> Other foolish suppositions have been put forward as though these were matters of importance. That's not matters of importance. Whether you get there and your hair is long like our artists depict the angels, right? Whether you're going to have wings or you're going to wear a rope, which I kind of detest. Uh, but it's getting there. It's going to be more wonderful than anything that we think we have that's wonderful here, okay? So other foolish suppositions have been put forward as though they were matters of importance. May God help his people think rationally. <laughs> when questions arise upon which we are uncertain, we should ask, what sayeth the scripture? Jesus, will, and we just went through some texts already, right? Especially in Revelations. Jesus will explain, long have we waited for our Savior's return, but nonetheless, sure, 
is the promise. It doesn't matter how long you have waited. I've waited longer than most of you. That doesn't matter. What matters is that he will come, okay, when he comes and soon, and that our, <clears throat> excuse me, our names are written in the book of the Lamb. Soon we shall be in our promised home. There Jesus will lead us beside the living stream flowing from the throne of God and will explain to us the dark provinces through which he led us in order to perfect our characters. So you're going through a trial now? Are you going through trials? Have you been through trials? You're going to go through trials in the future? This is the dark path that Jesus is leading us through to perfect our characters because we can't get to heaven any kind of way. So we want to get home. We're just trying to get home, but we can't get there any kind of way, not based upon uh, us. There we shall see on every hand the beautiful trees of paradise, in the midst of them the tree of life. There we shall behold with undimmed vision the beauties of Eden restored. Undimmed vision. Okay, something happens to us earlier. We have to get glasses and bifocals, et cetera, et cetera. Something happens as we age, but, um, and as you age, you're not going to have 20-20 vision. It's, you know, it's just part of this life. It's just part of this life. My, my mother's, we celebrated her birthday on Tuesday, 99 years old. And like Sarah was praying about, we, we, you know, we want them to be with us, you know, a little long, while longer, but there's no promise for that in this planet. Even if she lives, she has always told me, I want to live to be 100. So next year, February 13th, if she's 100, guess what? It's still not enough. She's still on this planet. So the tree of life, undimmed vision. There we shall cast at the feet of our Redeemer the crowns which he has placed on our heads, and touching our golden harps, we shall offer praise and thanksgiving to him that sitteth on the throne. So, casting our crowns at our Redeemer. We have a Redeemer, Jesus Christ the Lord, our Savior. He came to this dark planet. For what purpose? To redeem us. The world is a cruel place. And God, not in a cruel place, because of his unmeasurable love, came to a cruel place to take upon himself the cruel cross for me. That's love. And we're going to be constantly enveloped into that love for all eternity, full of joy. Heaven is full of joy. It resounds with the praise of him who made so wonderful a sacrifice for the redemption of the human race. 
Should not the church on earth be full of praise? Right? Thank you, uh, Faith Chancy. Should not Christians publish throughout the world the joy of serving Christ? Do you tell people about serving Christ? It's not, oh, I'm so bored. What am I going to do? I can't stand. You approach the people like that with the word of God? You have a gift that the world is waiting to hear about. Believe it or not, they try to satisfy themselves in the things of this world and the things on earth, not knowing that there's a better place waiting for them, and they're just waiting for one of us to tell them about it. So full of joy. Those in heaven joined with the angelic choir in their anthem of praise must learn on earth the song of heaven, the keynote, which is thanksgiving. How often are we thankful to God for what he has done for us? Every morning I praise God for the food that he has given us. You know, food growing out of the ground. Okay, and it's always there because he has provided us with a job to go buy it. But then sometimes at work, I have this, this um, we have what's called block schedule and on A days, I have four classes in a row, no stop except for lunch. And it seems like they give you a half an hour for lunch. But by the time the, the students exit, you get them down to the cafeteria, you wash your hands, you prepare in the microwave your food, you only have like 20 to 15 minutes, and you just <laughs> And sometimes in the hurry, I forget. And so while I'm stuffing my, my face with food, the Holy Spirit always reminds me. We have to be grateful, we have to be thankful, for we have a very awesome God that has provided us with things. And we can't go through this world being ungrateful. Jesus will receive you, all polluted as you are, as I am, and will wash you in his blood and cleanse you from all pollution and make you fit for the society of heavenly angels. In a pure, harmonious heaven, there's no jar, no discord there. All is health and happiness and joy. God forgive me and God give me the power to do, to not be weary of doing good. So I get text messages throughout the day and the week. And to be honest, it's pray for this person and pray for that person and pray for this person and pray for that person and pray for this other one and pray for the next one and pray and pray and pray and my mind gets like when is this going to end the sick that we have among us and you don't have to be old to be sick okay we all are sick whether we put it on the prayer line we go to our doctor or we take this or that to feel better Okay, in heaven, that's not going to be there. No pain there. Old people experience pain. The older you get, all right. So you guys looking at me that you don't believe me, right? 
So I'm 70 years old. The older you get, the more pain you feel. It's just a given with life on this planet. Um, but there's going to be no pain in heaven. Pain cannot exist in the atmosphere of heaven. There will be no more tears, no funeral trains, no badges of mourning. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, for the former things have passed away. The inhabitants shall not say, I'm sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. Holiness reigns supreme in heaven. God is all in all. If we are indeed journeying thither, which means there, the spirit of heaven will dwell in our hearts here. But we find no pleasure now in the contemplation of heavenly things. If we have no interest in seeking the knowledge of God, no delight in beholding the character of God, if holiness has no attraction for us, then we may be sure that our hope of heaven is vain. So check your life, check my life. Like a while back, I'm not going to say how far back, but a while back, I realized that the music I was listening to, heaven doesn't have that music. And so if I want to be prepared for heaven, I need to change down here the music I listen to. Perfect conformity to the will of God is the high aim to be constantly before the Christian. We would love to talk of God, of Jesus, of the home of bliss and purity, which Christ has prepared for them that love him. Perfect order. God is a God of order. Everything connected with heaven is in perfect order. Subjection and thorough discipline mark the movements of the, of the angelic host. So if you like clutter, you're going to have to work on that now, because heaven is a place of order. If you like dirt now, and garbage, and refuge, you're not going to be in heaven. I have a student. It reminds me of the, the Peanuts cartoon. There's a character in the Peanuts cartoon called Piggy. Um, and it, as he's going place, the, art, the uh, artist has drawn just a dust of debris, a cloud of dust coming behind him. I have a student like that in my school. And I have to check, and if I don't, I have to clean up after him. I have to check every time he gets ready to go to the next class, I have to check to make sure that he's picked up everything and he's cleaned up his area. Even though I teach computer science and it's just computers there, I'm not doing engineering anymore where they're, make, where they're making things, there's nothing for him to, <laughs> there's nothing for him to work with to make, to make trash. It's there <laughs> around him, okay? So that's not gonna be in heaven. Social life. Oh, we live in a social life uh, age at this time. There shall be known, we shall be known even also as we are known. There the loves 
and sympathies that God has planted in the soul will find truest and sweetest exercise. The pure communion with holy beings, the harmonious social life with the blessed angels and with the faithful ones of all ages, the sacred fellowship that binds together the whole family in heaven and earth, all are among the experiences of the hereafter. So you have to think about how is our social life here? And if I've ever come across to any of you as antisocial in the years that I've been here, forgive me, the Lord is working with me. Okay, my favorite text is Philippians 1.6. He who has begun a good work in you, okay, he's going to carry it out to the end. So God is still working with me, and I imagine that he's working with each of you. There's so much more I could read to you about the information Ellen G. White received from God about heaven that if I did, we would be here all afternoon. Therefore, like an experienced teacher, I give you a home assignment. Okay, download, this is easy for you, download, it's called EGW Writings 2. EGW Writings 2. There you can have all her books. And one of them is titled Heaven. So you be encouraged as you are just trying to get home. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, are you going to be there? Do you want to be there? Stand if you want to go home. Heavenly Father, our Creator, through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, you see your people, the saints of the living God, standing before you we boldly come into your throne of grace, asking that you would continue working with us, continue our salvation, so that when Jesus comes, we will be going home. And in his name I pray, amen.